0: Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast. Hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the Building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Well, well, well. I'm going to go ahead and get up out of the way. But, you guys, we have an awesome minister here with us this morning that's going to bring forth the word. She, she hails all the way from the other side of Susun, California. It is, it is my aunt, and it is my pleasure and privilege to introduce to you Pastor Patricia Phillips. She's going to come forth and bring an awesome word from the Lord to you this morning. So you God got some ways, but that's the truth. He's so good, you just don't even know what to do. He's just good. What a welcome. I feel like I'm at home. And that could be good or bad. Thank you. But I'm just going to release the word that I believe that the Lord has for you today. Uh, when I was asked to come and speak, I it was a resounding yes. I almost feel like I should do a selfie so people know that I have been at the Building Christian Fellowship. But I just wanted to say that it's an honor and a privilege. I have known the leaders of this house for decades. Love Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. As Donald said, he's my nephew from young and his beautiful wife and everybody has treated me so well. So if uh, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya, you're probably watching because I know you can't help yourself. They have hosted me well. So thank you guys so much. I bring greetings from my pastors, my senior pastors, Pastor Richard and Joan West of Liberty Church, Um, and on behalf of that church and our leadership, our pastoral team, we have really been united in prayer with you all, and we are, we shouldn't be amazed at what God has done, but we are so blessed by what he has done. But I came to tell you today that I have been praying for you. I know that there are a lot of things that are going on and has been going on for quite a while now. This season has been a long season, years. And so I know that people have been praying for Pastor John and Pastor Kaya and the family, and rightfully so. And we united with them in prayer. And I'm going to tell you, we stormed heaven. We stormed heaven. I used to get some phone calls occasionally, and uh, Raquel would be like, Can we pray? And I'd say, It's my honor to pray. So we've been praying, but I've been praying for you. Did you know that someone is praying for you? That, yeah, it's about Pastor John, and I am so blessed, but it's not just about Pastor John. God has a plan for you. In all of this, there's a plan. And I don't know if you know, but I'm here to tell you today that that plan is for you. The plan started with Pastor John because he's kind of like the tip of the arrow. He has to go in first. But right behind him is you. And everything that has transpired, there's a plan, a specific plan. And let me just say that God's plans are not pocket plans. It's not something small that you can tuck away in your pocket and go about your business. His plans are grand. And so I came to tell you today that you're the plan. Whether you knew it or not, shake yourself awake because you not only have a part in this plan, but you are the plan. You are the plan. Maybe it's like in Esther 4.14 where Mordecai said, hey, maybe you were born for such a time as this. I came to tell the building Christian fellowship that you were born, birthed, placed here for such a time as this. There is something that you're going to catapult not just in the natural but in the spiritual realm as well. The word of God says that he knows the plans that he has for us. And that word no in Hebrew is yada. And yada is a verb. It's not a noun. It's not a thing. It's an action word or a state of being. The Lord is on the move. He's perfecting these things in you so you can stand up and war not only on behalf of Pastor John and Kaya, but on behalf of your city, on behalf of your family, on behalf of your marriage, on behalf of your children, on behalf of the county, on behalf of the world. Who dares believe that we can take the world by storm? Acts says, here they come. Those who turn the world upside down have come here. The Christian building felt... come here for such a time as this it's time and it's time for you all to realize because it's one thing for me to come and tell you but if you don't step into it and walk in it then it's of no avail and I want you to know that we're gonna talk a little bit today about God's plans and we want you to know that off right off the bat that his plans already said they're not pocket-sized they're effective They're the best. They're eternal. They're supernatural. They're weighty. They're everything. When you walk in the plan of the Lord, there is nothing else that matters. We can have our own plans. The word of God says many are the plans of man. But it's only God's plans that will stand. And in that scripture it says many are the plans in the minds of the men. And we know our mind is a part of our soul. So sometimes we have to bring our soul under subjection because our soul ain't saved. I mean, y'all know your soul ain't saved. Your soul is made up of your mind, will, and emotions. And it's not saved yet. It's being saved. It's constantly being renewed. How? By what you're doing right now, reading your word, coming to church, and praying. And it's constantly being renewed. So many, and some of the translations say many are the devices of man. But God's plans are the only plans that stand. So we often are interfering with God's plan. Why? Because we can't comprehend the grandeur of his plan. Because our plans are small, we think our plans are big, but we have finite minds trying to figure out a plan from an infinite God. And we just don't have the capacity. And so I want to tell you today that the plan is you. And so sometimes we don't also understand plans because they're taking part in sequence. Like I see a little bit here and I see a little bit there. And so I want to suggest to you today that you pray and ask God, show me the plan. Now he's not going to show you the whole plan because you would self implode. You can't handle it all. And that's a good thing. He loves you so much that he's not going to put you in harm's way, man. But he's going to give you bits and pieces. And if you pray and ask him and walk obediently in the pieces that he shows you, Keep stepping because he's not going to give you the next piece of a plan until you step and fulfill that portion of the plan. So if you would do that, he'll do more. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Our focus today is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You guys know this by heart. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He knows the plans that he has for you. He has declared this, that you would prosper not to hurt you, but to give you hope and a future. Hope and a future. Hope and a future. Who wants a future without hope? Come on. And who wants hope and not be able to obtain a future? So I want to talk to you just a little bit about that scripture. And then we're going to go on to other scriptures because I need you to know that if, you don't, if you're not aware Of this challenge for you I'm asking the Holy Spirit I've been praying And asking the Holy Spirit That when the tension comes in this this message That we don't back away from the tension But that we lean into what it is That the Holy Spirit is doing So we can be changed and transformed Church is not just to come and check off the box I am standing here Because I am supposed to equip the saints For the work of the ministry And so I want to make sure that you're equipped And you obviously want to be equipped or you wouldn't be here. And so I appreciate you being here. And so there's this scripture, Jeremiah, twenty. I know, I know, I know. The Lord, that verb, I know. I'm actively knowing. I exist in knowing. I know the plans that I have for you. There is a specific plan for each and every one of you. And there's a plan for you, there's a plan for the building church with you. But there's also a plan for you outside of the building church. There's a plan for you in your family. Some of you, I sense there's a plan in politics. I don't know who that is, but take that word. There's a plan for you. And God wants to fulfill the plan that he has for you. From the beginning of time, Jeremiah said, when you were a, a child in your mother's womb, when you were a seed in the womb of your mother's, he knew you. He didn't just start devising a plan once you were born. He's not devising a plan like we do every year. Oh, it's the new year. Let me come up with some resolutions and check some boxes and then we never fulfill them. At least I don't. I'll be honest. I start off really well. But we have to run the race as to win. And when we know the plan of God on our lives, we can run that race. And so the obscurity sometimes of the plan I know that my the plans for my life change, they deviate, they morph, and you have to be willing to be okay with that. Are we okay if the plan doesn't look like the way we thought our plans should look? Are we okay if the plan is not the plan that we thought it was? Will we embrace what God has for us or do we still believe that our plans are better than his plans? I want to introduce you to a story in the Bible, and I, I pause to say story not an account in the Bible because the Bible is true. Everything in it is true. But I would ask that you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. And I'm not going to read this whole thing, so I'm going to give you a backdrop, but I just, I'm going to land on a couple of scriptures. And this is about a plan that God had that was very, very obscure. Like just looking at this passage, you wouldn't be like, hmm, so that's what was going on. It takes time to roll out. It takes time for everything to unfold. So this plan or this scripture, excuse me, is about Naaman. And Naaman is a captain in Syria. He's the commander of the armies. And he is well loved by the king of Syria because God has caused Naaman to bring victory to Syria. And Syria is a well or excuse me, Naaman is a well respected man. They appreciate him. They respect him. He's high up the chain of command, but he's a leper. And so Syria in these days were very powerful. They were strong, and they were gaining momentum, and they used to conduct raids on Israel. Now, how many of you all know that Israel is the chosen people? And they would have these raids, and they would be victorious in these raids. And so during their raids, they would take captive the people of Israel and bring them back to Syria and enslave them. On one of these raids, Naaman captured a little girl. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us much about this little girl. We don't have a name, but whoa, she is important in this story. So he brings her back, and just by circumstance if you believe in coincidences, I personally don't. She becomes the servant for Naaman's wife. And one day she says, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria. In, um, Samaria. And so she looked at her and she said, hmm. Now, first of all, the slave shouldn't have been saying anything to the mistress. But she had a boldness. You know why she had a boldness? Because she knew that God had a plan. She didn't know what the plan was. But she knew that God had a plan. And she spoke in boldness. Just like that little boy up here who was dancing. Just danced in boldness. Let us be like little children. Let us throw off everything that would hinder us from doing what it is that God has called us to do. So she says, I wish he would go. And so the wife tells Naaman. And so Naaman tells the king. And the king of Syria says, oh, you should go because you're a leper. I'm going to send a letter with you. I'll send a letter and let the king of Israel know that you're coming. So he sends this letter to the king of Israel. And this is what the letter says. It, by the time you get this letter, and I'm paraphrasing, by the time you get this letter, my uh, commander, Naaman, will be in front of you. Heal him of his leprosy. So Israel is like, the king of Israel like, is like, what? What? Who am I? He literally, Who am I? Am I some kind of God that I can make people live and make people die? Like, who does he think? He, ah, I'll tell you what he's trying to do. He's trying to start another fight. So he rinses his clothes. And in those days, that means severe anguish. He's upset and he rips his clothes. Well, Elijah happens to be the prophet in the, in the land. And Elijah sends word and says, why are you ripping your clothes? Just send Naaman to me. So the king says, go, go see Naaman. Praise God. Go see Naaman. So he goes and he sees Naaman, and so he's outside of Naaman's door, and he brings a whole entourage, and he's got horses, and he's got chariots, and he brought all this gold and silver and all these changes of clothes because he's somebody. And he knocks on the door, and Elijah sends a servant. Go tell him to dip in the River Jordan. And he said, wait, what? Like, I literally thought he would come out here, wave his hand over the leprosy, and then I would be healed or speak the name of his God, and that I would be healed. So he got mad and he gets ready to storm off. Because why would I do that? There are cleaner waters where I come from. Why would I go and dip in the Jordan? We all know the significance to the Jordan River. And so his servant, once again, not supposed to speak to a master, says, Father, had he have asked you to do something grand, had he have asked you to do something mighty and wonderful, though it would take a lot of courage, you would have done it. But all he's saying is, Dip and be clean. So Naaman looked at him and took heed, and he went and he dipped in the Jordan River. And he was supposed to dip seven times, and the number seven in the Bible stands for completion and perfection. The little girl, when she told her mistress that, that he would be healed of his leprosy, said, He would be healed. Like the word of the Lord was traveling, he would be healed. Naaman speaks to the king, I will be healed. The king sends a letter, he should be healed. Elijah says, go to the river, you will be healed. He comes up out of the water after dipping seven times of perfection and completion and the Bible literally says that his skin was like that of a baby, that he was clean. So can you imagine? I don't think it's conjecture to to think that he was like in awe, like what has just happened? That the people around him, because he brought that entourage, that everyone is like, wait, 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 what happened here? It's gotta be the water because all they knew was magic and mysticism. So it's got to be the water. It's got to be something. because What has happened? So Naaman, of course, is like, I don't care. So he goes back to Elijah's house, knocks on the door. This time Elijah comes back. He said, now I know, and this is where I want to land with you guys. Now I know that there is no other God besides the God of Israel. This is the mantra of this house. This is the prophetic utterance of this house after everything that has transpired and happened, I know that there is no other God but the God that we serve that is the prophetic word over this house you will be able to stand in the face of all adversity is standing in the face of those who believe that there are other gods and say listen 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 I know let me tell you how I know we had a pastor who needed a heart and God not only sent him a heart but he sent him the best heart and not only did he send him the best heart he recovered quickly and not only did he recover quickly he's preaching the word of God This was in Greek, Donald. It would be gnosko. I know that I know that I know that I know. You can't move me off of this. He is the only real true God. It's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to know it. It takes it to another level. So he knows. Naaman says, I know. I now know. I now know. This is a heathen, a pagan. I now know. And so he says, take, take all of these things. Let me give you the clothes. Let me give you the silver. Let me give you the gold. Let me give you all this stuff. And, and Elijah says, oh, no, Mm-mm, I'm not going to be bought. All the glory, all the honor is going to go to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And isn't it interesting that we can find Jesus in every book of the Bible, and it just so happens that in 2 Kings, Jesus is represented as our reigning king. And so he wouldn't take anything. So he says, Well, then do me a favor. I have to take my king into this house of worship where he worships his pagan God. Please ask God to forgive me as I help him, as I accompany him, as I do my job. Please help and ask God to forgive me for that. And then can I have some soil? Can I have some soil? Because in those days, they felt like you could only worship the God where his soil, where he originated from. So he asked for two mules of of soil so he could take this back to Syria so he could worship the living God. There was a transformation that not only took place in Naaman's skin, but in his heart. He had become redeemed. So he said, yeah, take, take the soil. Go ahead and take the soil. And it's interesting that in Exodus 20, 24, the Lord himself says, you will take the soil and build me an altar. And it goes on to say, you can can sacrifice the sheep, you can sacrifice sisters. And then at the end he says, and then I will come and I will be Lord. my name. I'll put my name in remembrance where you put my soil. Can you see things starting to unfold? So Naaman goes back to Syria, we believe. And so now everyone has seen that he's healed the people that he came with are going to see. Elijah knows. The king of Israel is going to know. The king of Syria is going to know. His wife is going to know. The child is going to know. His everyone in his command is going to know. The people are going to know. And you want to know what revival is? That's revival. Yeah they're going to know that there is one true God. And whether it turns it around immediately or not, there's the soil that I'm laying out and the presence of the Lord is here and I'm believing that He started this in me. He's going to finish this in me. The plan of God is all about people and transformation and drawing them near unto Himself. Sometimes the plan has to unfold, but it's never a pocket-sized plan. I want to see if I could just talk to you for a minute about the just, the just, the J-U-S-T of all that has happened in this house. You see, it wasn't just so Pastor John could get a heart. It wasn't just so he could minister to the doctors and the nurses and the therapists and all the countless people that the Lord paraded in front of him and set him up to witness to and talk to. It wasn't just about that. It wasn't just so people all over the world would get together in unity and pray. It wasn't just so we could call intercession a thing in this house. It wasn't just because of that. It was just so God could do a thing in you too. Behold, I do a new thing, saith the Lord. And this thing is a sound thing. It's not a pocket-sized thing. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And yes, everything that has happened to Pastor John has been miraculous and supernatural. But do not lose sight, saints of God, that you are the plan. And so Naaman says, "I, I don't, there's no other God. There's no other God. And ironically... He takes this little girl from Israel, and Israel's is the chosen people, and she's like, I know the one true God. I'm bold in this. I'm just, what are they going to do? I'm already captive. I'm going to just speak out this prophetic word. So listen to this. Had she have not been taken, the word of the Lord wouldn't have come forth. And if the word hadn't have come forth, the mistress wouldn't have known. And if the mistress didn't know, then she wouldn't have been able to tell Naaman, and Naaman wouldn't be able to tell the king, and the king wouldn't have been able to write the letter. And if the letter wasn't written, then the king wouldn't have tore his clothes. And if he hadn't torn his clothes, Elijah wouldn't have been like, What's going on with you? Send him to me. And if he hadn't have gone to him, he wouldn't have been made whole. The other servant wouldn't have had the opportunity to say, just do what it is that the man of God is saying to do. I'm here to tell you that God has a word for you. Don't sleep and don't slumber. Activate building Christian fellowship and do what it is that God has called you to do. Stand up and do it. Don't allow Pastor John to carry this on his back. You're called just like he's called. And had he have not dipped and been clean, then this revival wouldn't have started. We're always waiting on something grand. Revival is starting in this house. Revival is starting. Don't wait for Pastor John to get back to preach his first sermon because it's not just for more sermon material. It's so you will be activated in what it is that God is calling you to do. And it's not small. It's not a pocket-sized call on your life. God does everything big. He is a God of more than enough. And it's exceeding, abundant, above all you could ever ask, hope, think, dream, conjure up. It's bigger than that. And so he's calling you forth to be the church in the midst. He's setting you all up. You're sitting in this seat on this day for this reason, to hear this message, so it would activate you and catapult you. Don't worry about the why. Don't worry about the why. All why does is give us a bunch of uncontrolled emotion. You don't need to know why because why is not going to change anything. But if you know the purpose, then it'll catapult you into your destiny. Then it'll, even more important, cause you to be in closer relationship with the sovereign God. You don't have to worry about the why. You just take one step right after the other. When he says move, move. When he says stop, stop. Get in your prayer closet and ask the Lord, what is it that you have for me? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? What is your plan for me? What is your plan for me to help the building Christian fellowship? Because some people are just here helping. Know your divine place and appointment. Know where you're supposed to be. Because that's where God will affect most of all. Listen, the best you is the most anointed you. Jesus went on to talk about Naaman in Luke 4. And this is what he said. The, The Pharisees were having a field day about what people were eating and defiling themselves and not washing their hands. And he's like, look. That's not the thing. He said, it's not what you put in your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. So as you're speaking forth your plan, as you're speaking forth the prophetic utterance of what God has called you to do because you've been in the, your prayer closet and he's began to speak to you. And just a side note, I want you to pray, but we often pray, we're like, yeah, Lord, blah, 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 and they we're up and out. Spend some time listening to what it is. quiet yourself. And listen, and the Lord went on to talk about, Jesus went on to talk about how there is, he's not partial. Like he has a plan for Pastor John, he has a plan for you, he has a plan for Dom, he has a plan, and even though you see people on this platform. He still has a plan for you. Maybe it's not a platform uh, ministry, but look at what this little girl did just by spreading one word, just being by bold enough. Look at what happened with the servant boy who said, go ahead and dip and be clean. Come on. That's something. Every piece of the plan has to work. It's a mechanism that has to work and do the job. So you have to do your job for other things to take place. And so Jesus said, I'm not partial to anything he said there were a lot of lepers in in israel but elijah only healed naaman he took the one who you would not suspect you who are sitting there saying i'm not qualified there's no call on my life there's no plan for me i'm just good sitting on the bench i'm good just being saved i'm good because i love the lord but if you love the lord it should drive you to action So Jesus is saying, I'm taking everybody. I'm not taking those people like all the lepers who were in front of Elijah, dancing around and vying for his attention and vying for the healing of the Lord. He's up. Here comes Naaman. Here comes Naaman because it was part of the plan. So I want to encourage you today not to just sit back and be like, this is a pocket-sized plan or my plan isn't as grand as their plan because it is about you. It's not just about Pastor John. And I want it to be where you are saying, I know. No one can ever move me. I know that our God is the only God. And if you'll stand and do this, this is what will happen. There will be a response that comes. And that response will be from the hearer. And that response will be, wow, I see. Now I will never, ever worship any God besides the true God. Because that's why Naaman took the soil. I'm not going to worship to anybody else. He was transformed immediately. The Word of God is transforming. So, as you stand and tell the Word of God, even if it starts in your family, even if it starts in your neighborhood, if it's your small group, nothing is small. All of God's plans are big. So, people can say, Now I know, actively know, yada, that there is a God, and hear the response. With people learn and unlearn, they will confess, I know as well. I know. None of this would have transpired if it hadn't have been for that one little girl. God has a plan. He always has a plan. And so you're a part of that plan. And we know. Romans 8:28 says we know. We all know that all things, the totality of things are going to work together for our good because we love him and we're called according to his plan and his purpose your plans my plans are not grander than his plans psalms 33:11 says that the plans of the lord stand forever his plans are everlasting to everlasting and then this is what I want you to hear. And the purposes of his heart through all generations. I was blessed as I saw these little kids up here dancing. And you guys are just looking like they're dancing they're kind of wilding out and stuff. God is doing something. God is doing something in that generation. God is doing something in your children. God is doing something in your grandchildren. Because he's the God of generations. It doesn't just stop with us, praise God. But it goes on and on and on. But his plans have to be abided by. So if there's something in your life and you're like, I am just not there yet, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask that the Lord would make make known to you his plans. But here's the thing. This is all a participatory sport. We have to participate in what God is doing. Don't get offended because I said sport. We have to participate. If we don't participate, things don't get done. I heard something very profound yesterday at a meeting that I knew, but I needed somebody else to say it. <laughs> we have free will. There's a plan and there's a purpose for God, of God, on your life. But there are other people who are involved in that. And those people have free will. And they may or may not abide by what it is God is saying. But oh, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world in its entirety. We began to pray those things into fruition, but here's what I heard. So you may not see it. Just like Hebrews said, some of them didn't even get an opportunity to see, but they had a knowing when they went to heaven that this is gonna go on and everything that God has promised shall come to pass because he's not a man that would lie nor the son of man that would change his mind. And so know that, but start walking in your designed plan. Because if you don't do your part, I can't do my part. We're all dependent upon each other. And let the body of Christ, I'm, I'm going to preach this wherever I go from now on. Why don't we all just do what we're supposed to do? So, so, the, so, the, so the assignment can be accomplished. So that everything can fall into place. And we're not the stumbling block. Because God's plans must prevail. And I want his plans for me to prevail in me, through me, while I'm in the land of the living. I'm sure you do too. So I'm going to pray and ask God to show you his plan. And then I'm going to pray and ask that he would remove the mentality and the perspective of pocket-sized plans from your mind and from your heart. But before I do that, and I have no idea where I am in time, but before I do that, I want to do an altar call. Because you might be sitting here going, I don't even know what you're talking about. But there was a tug that made you come here today. And so if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, I got great news. Today is the day of salvation. And so if you don't know him as Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. Or maybe you knew him and you got delusion, just disillusioned for some reason. And so now you're no longer walking with him. God wants you back. He, wants, we're, he is the only God who pursues His people. We don't have to pursue Him. He pursues us. And then lastly, I've been doing this altar call piece now for probably about six months. And when the Lord first started asking me to do this, it just grieves me. It grieves me every time I have to say it. But what grieves me more is the response. There are some people who have been saying that I am a Christian. And everybody believes that you're a Christian. But there's some things in your personal life that are not Christian. They're not Christ-like. And the Lord wants you to get your life right because it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the lie. And so this is a place where you are loved, who want only the best for you. This isn't a calling out or a shaming. I don't want you to sit in your seat this call because somebody might see me like I might be a, an usher or I might be a leader or I might be this or I might be that or somebody sitting next to me and I had them full pretty good so I don't want to make a public confession of my sin but there are people who are sitting in their seats who are not living for God and I love you too much to not allow this to take place so I'm going to say that if you don't know the Lord if you walked away from the Lord because you were disillusioned, you were hurt. Maybe it was a church hurt. Maybe it was a family hurt. Maybe you were hurt by someone who had professed and proclaimed to be a Christian. And I'm going to lump them together so nobody knows which one you're responding to. Come. Even if you have been saying you're a Christian, you know in your heart you're not. I just sense right now that there's people who are... who are. Their hearts are palpitating. They're, they're, you're fidgeting because you know it's you. And the Lord has been dealing with you. And so this isn't a time to call out, and yes, every Christian praying right now because this is serious business. The Bible says in Luke that the redeemed, that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one soul. It's serious business. It's all that got his, his big plan, I'm going to look you in on it, his big plan is that none would perish but all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate plan. So if that's you, I don't want you to bow your heads and lift your hands because we sin boldly. Let us repent boldly. So if that's you, any of those, I want you to come quickly to the altar. I want you to come so we can pray for you and lay hands on you and love you and walk with you through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. It doesn't matter. There is nothing that we won't walk with you through because we love you. So if that's you, come. Amen. The Lord loves you so much. He loves you so much. You already know. He loves you so much. His hand is upon your lives just like he told Jeremiah. When you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. And all he desires is to have a relationship with you. And whatever the hindrances are, we're throwing those off right now. I don't care how entwined it is, get help. I don't care what it is, get help. There's help, there's help, there's help, there's help. So I just want you to pray. I don't need you to repeat a sinner's prayer. We do that as a public confession. That prayer doesn't make you saved. You're walking through life with us in discipleship and fellowship and, and, and it's happening in a process. So Father, I thank you for the boldness of these who came forth and just pray and ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And Repentance simply means I'm, I'm turning from going my way and I'm going to turn and go His way, the right way, the only way. So Father, I just speak blessings upon blessings, Lord. Father, I thank you that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you that even those who are still sitting in their seats, because there's more, who are concerned about coming forward. Father, I ask, Lord, that the peace of God would just engulf them and that the Holy Spirit would give them the boldness to step forward in faith. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that all things are working together for the good. So I speak extravagant blessings on them, Father. As they ask for your forgiveness, Lord. As they turn from going their way and go your way, Lord God. As they get every crooked road straight, Lord God. As they realize, Lord, that their footsteps are ordered of you. I just speak extravagant and extreme blessings upon their lives. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And lastly, if you don't know the plan of God for your life. Or maybe it's a little hazy. I want you to stand on your feet because I'm going to pray. And I believe that the Lord is going to break off whatever the hindrance of you seeing what it is he's calling you to do. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of the Lord are without repentance. So it doesn't matter what you did. If you make a mistake, be bold enough to repent and get up and keep it moving. Father, you see your sons and daughters. And Father, they desire, they desire, Father, to walk with you. They desire, Father, that you would show them, Lord. Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit, the revealer, the revelator, would show them. Over the next several days, unfold to them your plan for their lives. Not the plan of man. Not their plan. Not any plan that their parents or their spouses feel like they're supposed to have. But your plan for their lives, Lord. Make it crystal clear, Father. And Lord, then assure them that you who began a good work shall bring it to completion. So we thank you, Father. I thank you for the Building Christian Fellowship. I thank you for Pastor Kaya. I thank you for Pastor John. I thank you for what you've done in their lives. But I feel promise on this house, Lord. I feel promise on this house, Lord. And I'm even speaking to those who may not be in the house, but maybe you're watching on live stream. Maybe you're the family who's watching online. We love you and we're praying for you, but we're saying come on home. And if you know someone who's not here, tell them to come home. It's kind of like Apple. If you got in on the ground level, you're wealthy now. Come on back and get into this because I'm telling you. The word of God says that eyes have not seen nor ears heard nor have entered into the heart of man what God is a getting ready to do. And you want to be a part of that. So Father, bless this church, Lord. Bless the leadership. Bless the elders. Bless the children's directors and pastors and youth leaders and young adults. Father, bless them all extravagantly. Keep them, Father, in joy and a thriving hope. And we'll never cease to give you praise, glory, and honor because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.